Hey, podcast listeners, the topics are pouring in through our text messaging pod ring is what I'm calling you. You can join it. 833-947-3684. Text the word pod. And then just send us messages. We interact with you, answer your questions about products and classes, and take your suggestions so that we can have a great podcast show. You're listening to the Brave Writer Podcast. I'm Julie Bogart. The Brave Writer Podcast is designed to support parents who take an active interest in their children's education, whether you homeschool or not. You're in for a real treat on today's episode of the Brave Writer Podcast. My guest, a Brave Writer mom. But what makes Emily Norris special? Emily homeschooled her kids and used our Brave Writer program extensively for one thing. She and her children have taken online classes and used our writing manuals to boost their skills. She's read my books and has adopted and adapted the philosophies she found there to tailor make her homeschool to fit her family. But here's the real reason she's here today. Emily and her 18-year-old son are contestants on the third season of Fox's Lego Masters program. That's right, some of you are probably already watching her and didn't even know she was a brave writer mom. Season three of Lego Masters features 24 contestants competing in pairs in the show's most ambitious challenges to date, including a NASA-themed episode, a Lego dog show, and more. Lego Masters teams are competing to earn $100,000 in a cash prize. Lego Masters Season 3 premiered on Wednesday, September 21st. New episodes air every Wednesday at 9 Eastern, 8 Central on Fox, following the hit series, The Masked Singer. One of our Brave Writer writing coaches tipped me off to the fact that Emily and her son Liam were now featured on this show. I knew you'd want to hear the backstory of how Emily built a family culture that enabled her son to dive deeply into his passion of Lego building. One of the things you will discover very quickly is that when you invest deeply in any subject, you grow a rich vocabulary, you acquire a vast array of skills that can be applied to many other activities as well as the chief one, and you grow a rich, meaningful life. Isn't that what we're all hoping to do in the homeschool experience? Please join me in welcoming Emily Norris to the Brave Writer Podcast. Welcome, Emily. It's such a pleasure to have you on today's episode. Thank you so much for having me, Julie. I am thrilled to be here. Yeah, so let's just uh, not bury the lead. Let's talk about the fact that you have a child on Lego Masters. That's right, yeah. Um, We are thrilled to see that Liam's interest from a child has grown to this point. It's so funny because how often do we hear parents asking that very question like, all my child wants to do is play with Lego. And then the feeling is somehow (laughs) that it's not valuable Can you speak to that a little bit? What does that mean when you hear someone say that now that you've experienced this kind of um, outcome? 
Absolutely. Well, hindsight is twenty twenty, Julie, as we all know in parenting. And there was a time when well, I was I was Liam's first supporter of his Lego interests. I need to get that you know clear here. But there was a time where his uh, his love and obsession and passion with Lego was so strong that he wouldn't want to do anything else in our homeschool um, day. And I literally had to limit the Legos to one room upstairs and lock the door <laughs> so that he would do some homeschooling um, that I wanted him to get done. You know, my agenda is the mother um, before I would let him go off to just play. Right. And that was early on before I shifted my perspective and saw that it was wonderful and we needed to integrate it into his homeschooling. That is such a beautiful story and so vulnerably honest because we've all done it, right? We've all shut down the thing they love to teach them the thing they need when the thing they love might actually be the conduit to everything they need. I have that quote in my book, The Brave Learner, everything can teach anything and anything can teach everything. How does that apply to Liam's love of Lego? Oh, absolutely. So, um, wow, that is such a good question. Yeah, I. I know there was a point where I realized that Lego could be a way to make subjects that were not as fun, more fun, a way to bring his like love of kinetic learning into, you know, what otherwise might feel like a bookie subject. And we could, you know, map out the U.S. or like, here, let's make the the Rocky Mountains so that we can see it, that kind of thing. Um, and then in his high school years, I, I, I was really lucky to have been filled up with so many great ideas, including yours, that helped me see, you know, we need to run with his passion. We need to let this be um, front and center in his homeschooling. And so every year during his high school years, we designed an independent study that revolved around his love of Lego and what he wanted to do with that. So Wow, amazing. So give me an example of some of those independent studies. Sure. Okay. Well, I'm going to back up and share. Um, In addition to being so inspired when I heard you speak at one of the Virginia Homeschoolers conferences, Ah. um, I think it was 2017. Yeah. There was another year that um, uh, one of the keynote speakers, uh, Noah Scalin, talked about his Skull a Day project. And I remember coming home and saying, hey, Liam, you have to check out this book, this artist. You know, he's talking about how he challenged himself to create something new every day for a year. And Liam loved the idea and used it to really shape his, he called it 10 bricks a day. And what he did with his um, new YouTube channel is he started creating something unique out of Lego using just 10 bricks every day. And and he held himself accountable the way that Noah talked about, like, I I wasn't going to just hold on to this idea for myself. I was going to engage community, hold myself accountable. And so Liam did that and he posted a video pretty much every day for a year um, showing something unique that he had built using Lego and, and kind of giving a tutorial so that others could, you know, stimulate their creativity too. That is so beautiful. Um, my daughter did something similar with fashion. She did a fashion blog every day for a year and challenged herself to never duplicate any outfits. And she even, you know, went thrifting on a regular basis to keep the cost down, but to keep recreating these outfits. I think it's so fascinating to think about 
when we talk about a kid who is like, we'll hear all the time, a parent say, this child is lazy or this child won't do math every day. And yet there's no sense of like accomplishment goal or challenge. Um, one of the things that I know about free writing is the reason it's successful is it has arbitrary rules. It does have performance rules. The rules are move the pencil for as long as the clock is ticking, stop when it stops, you know, when it dings. And so this idea, 10 bricks, that's a limit. And every day for a year, that's got an end point. But it's going to require some stamina, right? Like you have to be pretty creative and be thinking about it a lot. And so what you do is you erect these false rules that inspire you, as opposed to this other kind of standard or performance rule, which says you have to make the best thing out of 10 Legos and I'm going to grade your performance. That's such a beautiful example. I just, I just love it. Did he end up having community engagement? Do people comment on his YouTube? Yeah, definitely. I think that was the beginning of his YouTube channel, gaining followers and traction. And he found a lot of love. Um, I think his most popular video from that series ended up being a skateboard. And I think it just somehow like was noticed by that community and and got love there too. So it, it was really wonderful. It was really the beginning of him branching out more into the Lego community through the internet. Too. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So tell us now a little bit about this journey, this boy who eventually ends up on television, Fox television, like on a major show. How did that come about? Did he discover the show on his own? Is it something that you helped him find? How did that happen? Yeah, great question. So um, this was never on Liam's radar on his own initiative. This was just, I think it's a perfect example of how one's passion can grow and develop through homeschooling. And, you know, they're like concentrics, you know, rings, like everything from, you know, the beginning of just mom, dad, look what I built. And let me tell you the story behind it. I mean, that is just such a great vehicle right there for so many different aspects of, of a child growing and developing to him, you know, sharing it in a larger community. And then he learned about, okay, we took him to Brick Fair, Virginia, to see all these great Lego models built by children, teenagers, and lots and lots of adults that they want to just share with the greater public. And we went one or two years when he was um, like middle school age and he was inspired. He thought, oh, this is really cool. Then we, we went and lived in China for a year, actually his ninth grade year, we were there. And when we moved back, he came back with the goal as he was starting up his 10 bricks a day, he thought, you know, I'm building all these cute little Legos, but I want to also challenge myself with something much bigger. And so that arbitrary goal, you know, it's like, hey, what can I enter that will push me to do something I've never done before? So he said, okay, I'm going to build something. And that year, we that was his independent design project for, with Lego. Um, and he built a 5,000 plus piece unique design of a spirit lion I'm not sure if you've seen a picture of this, Julie, or not, but it is really cool looking. It's the size of like a medium-sized dog. And um, he studied lion anatomy, tried to really get that anatomical look correct, Um, spent a lot of time figuring out what bricks he would need to source. He did not design it digitally. He did it, you know, kind of free-flowy and experimenting. And And then here's the cool thing. It was a mythical lion. Um, that was larger than life 
had a huge tree growing out of its mane and a village, a whole village of people on its back. And so in his world, there were these spirit animals that would each carry around their village or their tribe and had these amazing stories. So it was so, so inspiring and beautiful. He accomplished his goal the night before taking it to the, the festival, though, I will say, as he brought it downstairs with his father, he rested on the dining chair. Yes, your face. You can tell what's coming. And yes, it somehow one of the leg supports was a little off as he laid it down and it crashed. Luckily, there was a chair with my backpack on it right by it. And so part of it hit that and that cushioned its fall. But literally, we spent hours with me holding the lion from its, you know, underneath its belly and him reattaching legs and redoing the head. It was crazy. But yeah, the perseverance paid off. He brought it to Brick Fair, Virginia. That was when Lego Masters season one was being cast. We had no idea what the show was. We'd never heard of it before, had not realized it was coming. And suddenly a casting agent has reached out to him on Instagram and said, hey, I noticed this lion. How cool. I'm going to be at Brick Fair, Virginia. Can I meet you? So that was the beginning of the path. And actually, because Lego Masters is a um, is a pairing of teams, like it's a collection of teams of two that come in and build Lego, um, that was also when the casting agent said to him, well, Liam, who would be your partner? We need to think about that too. And um, that's when he first he said, well, mom, I think you would be the obvious candidate because you've been right by my oh side my throughout gosh. this whole Lego journey. Wow. And so the two of you get to do this together, which is just incredible. Yeah, it was. And I will back up and say, because we're in season three now, because the question begs to be asked, so what happened? Did he not make it on season one? The answer is he did not. Um, And that's because they ended up deciding not to cast minors. And he was 16 at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like, Julie, the UK show, which was one of the, I think it was the first Lego Masters show and is so adorable, so fun to watch, has a team of two boys who are ages nine and 10 at the time of filming on there. And so the US version, they were thinking maybe we'll include children. And that's why they were interviewing some minors but they had to wait till he turned 18 to reach back out and say, Hey, we're still going. We have a season three now coming up and we'd love for you to, uh, you know, would you want to be on the show again? Amazing. Oh my gosh. So what was that like for you to participate with him? Um, and I, I, a part of what I'm hearing is there's a journey here, right? It includes (laughs) working on something in it crashing right at the critical moment. (laughs) It involves getting right up to being cast and suddenly being told actually no. Mm. How have you dealt with those moments where it didn't follow to plan or where your Mm. optimism was strong and then something was a huge setback? How did you parent your son through that? And how did his resilience grow as a result? Mm. Wow. Love your questions, Julie. So yeah, that uh, both examples are wonderful teaching moments, right? And growth moments. Um, my three sons hear me regularly say, you know, I, I like to accustom my kids to hardship. I think there is value in hard experiences, not achieving your goals, um, having disappointments, and looking actually for the hidden blessings in those opportunities. So in the case of the lion, um, this is really cool. If it hadn't crashed like that, I don't know that Liam would have been so open to hearing the 
expert feedback that he ended up receiving a few days later from Sean Kenny, who, if you know Lego art, is you know one of these amazing people artistically. He has shows that travel around. At, you know, we saw um, one of his shows at the Lewis, Botan- Lewis Ginter Botanical Gardens in Richmond. You know, he's an icon in the Lego world and the sweetest human being. So he talked with Liam about his spirit lion at Brick Fair and gave him tips on how to build for transport. Because Liam had not thought about that reality that he would want to transport this huge, precariously balanced lion. Um, So because it had fallen and he had to rebuild it and saw how hard that was, because we then transported it and had to kind of rebuild it again, Liam was so open to learning. So that's, I think hardship kind of primes us for growing in new ways that we didn't realize we needed to. It's like the pruning of a tree that helps us actually achieve better growth, right? And then in the case of not making it on Lego Masters, um, you know, I think it was disappointing for him at the time mostly because of um, the way Hollywood sometimes works is you get ghosted. Yes. And you're left hanging, right? You have no idea. And it's kind of like, like, you know, the, the girl you reach out to and you want to ask her on a date or whatever, and she doesn't reply to your text, right? And you just don't know, well, did she get it? Does she know I really want, or, you know, I don't want to seem needy. And so you just have to kind of sometimes throw up your hands, trust in the universe, and just know that it's it's probably for the best. And it was. Hands down, looking back, it would not have worked for our family well at that time for me to have stepped away. It just wouldn't have. It was pre-pandemic. Like, let's think about the world we were in. Julie, my kids were, were we were doing kind of a minimum online before the pandemic, right? And and we go through the pandemic and we're also on a process of growing in our own involvement in what resources to tap into from Brave Writer, for example. So, you know, the, during the pandemic, we were not, we were learning and adapting all the time, right? Families across the world, whether or not you homeschooled before the pandemic, you were, we all had to adapt. Right, and so as we um, we expanded our use of Brave Writer resources at that time, um, we realized, oh, some of these online classes could help fill in the gaps for me to step away from homeschooling for some period to do the filming of the show with Liam. Wow, but I don't, I don't think that would have been the right match for my kids at their ages two years earlier. Yeah, you know, yeah, amazing. That is amazing. We had at one point, there was a whole sort of cadre of Broadway stars that used Brave Writer for writing classes. Like one person found us and then they told all of their friends. Yeah. So all these child stars who were were on Broadway were using Brave Writer because of exactly what you said, the asynchronous nature, the flexibility, the short duration, you know, three to six week classes. So I love hearing that. And I think it's one of those little known unsung features of the program that it really does support some of these um, other lifestyles, especially if you're in theater or television or any performance industry. Yeah, Uh, I'm looking behind you at like this gorgeous 
wall or I guess shelf of Lego creations. So tell me a little bit about Lego. Let's just pretend I know nothing about them. And I really don't know about it at the performance art level. Does the child move from following a model to their own creations pretty seamlessly? Or is there a period of learning that needs to occur? Did Liam follow like YouTubers and start to learn how to design from scratch? Or was it truly just purely out of his imagination? Mm. Right. So um, let's back up to Lego, as most people would know, is this amazing, sophisticated system of interlocking bricks and and pieces that are made from high-quality plastic, colorful plastic, right? And um, to most people appear to be just a toy. Um, but really, uh, they are, the, the possibilities are limitless. Um, open play, definitely free play, kind of like free writing, right? Is, is just gold in my book. That said, the experimentation that we do with open play is enriched for sure by every set that we may buy and build and learn from the instructions. I mean, just even, just, you know, what, what's so beautiful if you've ever built a Lego set is that you can be building the core of something and even forget what you're building because the core is so intricate and involved and may look nothing like what the finished product is going to be. But as you go along, you realize what you're doing is you're building something that is so strong and carefully thought out and planned that blossoms into this. It's like the seed that just gives birth to this beautiful um, plant that you would never have expected come out of it. So um, I find it it is such a great, it's like a puzzle, Liam. It's like you're, you're figuring out how all the pieces might work together. And when you're building a set that has been you know, created by Lego and you're following the instructions, depending on the set, you may be discovering a new technique you may be looking at a piece in a new way and realizing, oh, I can use that handlebar to connect this flower to the 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 ground that I'm that I've just created. This is something fun that I I um, created with just four bricks off of the what they call the pick a brick wall at a Lego store, where you can go and pick out loose Lego, fill up cups, and take them home to you know feed your your next creative idea. Right? That's incredible. Wow. I mean, you are so well-versed. One of the things that I like to share about following a passion is the reason it doesn't matter what that passion is, is, is that when you follow it, you are actually developing a vocabulary and an entire world of theory that goes with that passion. So when we say Lego is just a toy, we're actually denying that there's engineers who design the bricks there are design engineers who design, you know, the Death Star and how to build it out of this assortment of bricks. And then that there is this whole way of talking about the building, right? Because the more that we invest in something, whether it's violin or chess or video games or Lego, there is an entire theoretical field behind it, as well as the practitioners and the designers. And so you end up learning a vocabulary and a process. And I love how you said free play and you said like free writing. 
that is a theme in all creative endeavors, right? There's improvisation for acting. There are all different ways that freedom goes to creativity. We find that with brainstorming when you're in an executive meeting with all your directors. So when we say anything can teach everything, it's not hyperbole. It's actually what we're training our kids to do when they learn anything is how to learn everything. So instead of thinking, wow, they don't know how to do math and they're over here playing with Lego. Come on, I mean, come on, Lego and math. Like that is at the core of Lego. But also just learning the practices of Lego is similar to learning the processes of an abstract subject like math. So you're actually teaching yourself how to acquire what you need to understand in order to produce an outcome. That was a monologue, but... Absolutely. Now, I I 100% agree, Julia. I love hearing you describe that. And and what's so cool about Lego is that it has that full range from appealing to the math brain and the, the engineering side of things to our artistic side. Like I've seen, I've seen, you know, in the Lego classes, Liam and I have taught in the homeschool community, I have seen very right-brained thinkers just go bananas with the color and the shapes and the storytelling. And they are on cloud nine and just exploding with creativity. And it's infectious and amazing. You can tell it's feeding their soul and bringing out so much of them. And that child may be just as happy as the child across the table from them who is working on a serious engineering thing. And this, they may have been given the same challenge, but are approaching it so differently. And that is what's so exciting about Lego, like in, in the room at Lego Masters, when we started out with 12 teams, you could look around the room and see 12 totally different expressions of individuality, of creativity. It is just mind-blowing. Which is why the show is popular, because we're interested in that. If it was just everybody following the same pattern, nobody would watch. Right. If it were a speed build according to instructions, it wouldn't be quite as fun. That's for sure. You know, I read recently, um, because I'm learning about the Lego serious play method, which is, you know, kind of taking Lego into more adult environments to try to use it as a tool to unlock creativity and communication and so on. I read how, um, I think if I remember correctly, if you take eight two by four bricks, so that's counting the number of studs on top, if you can imagine, right. yeah, eight two by four bricks of the same color, there are over 9 million ways to connect them. Wow. Uniquely. Yeah. I mean, so that's just eight, same size, same color bricks. So if you then imagine what you even get from one yard sale with that bin of bricks, right? Yeah, yeah. And what you can do with it. It's like literally I what I try to tell people because sometimes people say, oh, you have to have a lot of money to have that Lego passion. No, all you need is either one generous neighbor or relative who hands you some old Lego or um, you know, a little bit of luck when you go yard sailing and 10 bucks in your pocket. And the next thing you know, you have unlimited creativity at your fingertips right there. Growing Brave Writers is a manual I wrote as the spine of the Brave Writer program. It's a great way to grow a writer, says so right in the title. Many of you have asked me what makes this program unique. I want you to start by imagining the kind of parent you want to be. I know when I set out to educate my kids, I wanted to be the one who saw the lights go on 
I was looking for the keys to unlock my child's interest, not just their cooperation. I hoped that when I taught writing, my kids would discover it as a powerful tool that they could use in their own lives, not just to complete schoolwork. So when I wrote Growing Brave Writers, I wrote it to give parents like you a brand new way to interact with your children around the topic of writing. The practices and activities in the program are designed to take the mystery and pain out of the writing process. The coaching guides give you, the parent, the essential principles to apply to ensure that you aren't setting up an antagonistic parent-editor-student-writer relationship. In fact, what you may discover as you work through this manual is that you become closer to your kids. In other words, you'll be building a trusting relationship while your kids learn to write. Sounds pretty good, right? Growing Brave Writers may as well be called Growing Better Relationships with Your Children Through Writing because that's what it's all about. See what you think. Let me know. You can go to the link in the show notes to take a look at the program, Growing Brave Writers, or you can go directly there now simply by going to bravewriter.com slash GBW. That stands for Growing Brave Writers, bravewriter.com slash GBW. Thanks. Incredible. My oldest son is 35. He's a computer programmer and he still buys Lego. One of my favorite stories about him is that when he and his wife got married and they registered for their wedding stuff on Amazon, he put board games and Lego kits on the registry. And here's why. He's like, I mean, it's, it's great if people buy them for us. I know they won't. He said, after you get married, you get 20% off anything that's on your registry. So he put (laughs) Lego kits and board games so that he could go buy them. And I mean, that's fantastic. Okay, Julia, I I do have to say your stories about your oldest son. I feel like my family should write him in a thank you (laughs) note because there are so many examples you've given over the years here and there in your book or your talk at the Virginia Homeschoolers Conference or just now. And I'm like, oh, note to self, like Liam's got to do that. Yes. He's got to follow a hundred percent. Yes. Again, that is really, but also I'll just add, so building Lego together is very therapeutic and meditative and connecting, you know, you're not just connecting bricks, but you're connecting together. You're spending quality time together. Right. So, um, I remember when the kids gave my husband and I, our first joint Lego set, you know, we'd been married like 27 years before we had built a Lego set together. And it was so fun. And the kids would check in on us. So have you built the little lion yet? You know, it was a Chinese New Year celebration set. Oh, gosh, I love that so much. We celebrate solstice every year as it's almost like a um, homeschool show and tell at this point. My kids are all adults. But what we do, we do all kinds of solstice things. But the key of the whole experience is we give each other handmade gifts or we make something handmade. And so one of the years, Noah brought each of us our own Lego sets. And so we each, we all sat there, we're having like mulled wine and apple cider and candles and music going, and we're just all building our Lego sets together. And I think that just speaks 
to the longevity of these experiences in childhood. We treat them like they're confined to the under 10 set, and then you have to get serious and life has to get hard. But there is something about the generation raised with Lego where that love has continued. And I think when we actually embrace it, as you said, as an artistic expression or a satisfying way to connect with people, we actually are seeing why those experiences have longevity. The reason Lego is around 50, 60 years later is that exact reason. And there's a reason that it's powerful in a child's life. It's not just entertainment. It's Mm. actually doing really deep work in that person. So I love that. Absolutely. No, that, that's, that is so true, Julie. And, you know, um, Lego, I have to give them props because as a company, they have really tuned into the, the love that adults continue to have for Lego and thought carefully about how to continue um, creating product that speaks to them, that nurtures them. There are so many avenues they have built for the adult fans of Lego and the teen fans of Lego to bring their ideas to the table, possibly even make them into sets. They've done that. And, and, and continue nurturing. Um, it, it is such a great, it's almost like open sourcey kind of at, at times the way that they approach it. And this, this, they're a very agile company. I really am impressed. I mean, they had some rough patches there, but they have learned and grown and they have that, you know, they are constantly curious about their creative product and how that can continue to serve others. So we got to know, did you go to Legoland yet? <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. That was one of our early loves when the kids were growing up. We'd we'd try to make a trip down to Florida most summers. And Legoland was our theme park uh, of choice. Uh, we loved it. That's we amazing. haven't been we haven't been in a couple of years and we're itching, itching to go back. Yeah, this move and the pandemic kind of slowed some things down sure. for us. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So what is Liam's future plan? Does he hope to work for Lego? Does he have other aspirations? Yeah. Yeah. He would love to work for Lego. Um, He (laughs) also has other aspirations. He's he's open to seeing what the universe provides for him. But um, right now he just started university. So I'll back up. He just had his gap year this past year um, between uh, graduating from homeschooling and entering university. And that it, it just the filming for season three couldn't have worked out better in terms awesome. of his life timeline. So he just started university. He's studying film and television right now. He loves storytelling in a variety of ways. Lego is going to be with him for life, though. I can tell this is this is not. He will never go through what they call the dark ages, which uh. is when a lot of a lot of children or teens forget about Lego or get too busy for it and don't touch it for years and years. That they're dark ages. I don't think this kid is ever going to have a dark ages. He's chosen to live at home and go to university so that he can still literally, he was watching a documentary for his English class today and busy building a new set. Oh my gosh. Amazing. He was multitasking. So, um, and then where that will lead. I mean, there are internships at the Lego company that we're encouraging him to look into first. Um, you know, he has an itch in him to apply and just go try to work at Lego even before university is done. I believe it. Why? I'll, I'll be Why honest, not? As a parent, as a parent, we we're a little conflicted on this because I'm kind of like a 
well, if the door opens, just run. You can always finish your degree later, or maybe you don't need it. You know, Oprah Winfrey wouldn't have ended up where she was if she had stayed at college and not pursued an offer that came her way early, right? So, um, but my husband is, you know, you want to finish that degree while you have this scholarship, please, honey, just just do it. Even if you have to change your major and graduate in three years before you want to go to Denmark. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> truly a tricky, it's it's tricky. And every every adult makes a different decision. Um, and uh, and so it's it's good to know that both options are realistic. There isn't one that is less realistic than the other. They both can actually work. Mm -hmm. So let's pivot for a moment and just talk about your homeschool environment. Maybe you can share a little bit about how you thought homeschooling would be and how it wound up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. So we're going down memory lane here ways, you know, I'll, I'll back up and say when I gave birth to Liam, I was working full time. I was full in my career in international education, running the education broad program at UCLA and did not see, uh, I didn't see, I didn't, I never would have imagined our path to be honest, but I was open. I remember when I gave birth to those really long labor, I remember feeling rewired to give my attention to this new babe, which is what all mothers, you know, to some degree, you know, ideally we, we experience. Um, and then I really, really felt like I would love to take time off. My boss at the time was so supportive and said, you know, I've worked in Europe where mothers are allowed to take a year off and we can hold the position for them. We don't do that officially here, but I'd like to encourage you to do it. I know that he was so wonderful. Um, you know, do you know that I went to UCLA? That's, no. Oh, and so I well. did the EAP program in Montpellier. Oh. Yes, I oh did. Oh my goodness. Oh, how <laughs> cool is that? Yeah. I, I mean, so to me, international <laughs> education is one of those great ways that we constantly feed the desire to learn yes. and grow yes. and connect with people and, and challenge our own worldviews and, you know, expand them. Totally. Oh, that is so great. So wonderful. I didn't end up staying there long story short. My husband accepted a position at the University of Virginia and we moved back to be closer to family. And I, at that point, I shifted into doing some consulting work in the field so that I could stay at home with Liam. Um, And I just love the idea of being able to create a home environment where my young children in their preschool years, toddler babyhood through preschool years could Um, explore the world at their own pace and in the loving embrace of home. So we, we shifted big time to be able to live off of one income. We had done that earlier in our lives when we lived off of my income so that my husband could screen write for a while and see where that took him. So we love the idea of like, plan your budget so you live off of one income because you also never know what curveballs life will throw you. Oh yeah. And, and so I, I embraced that time. I loved, loved being with my child. And what we would do, I'd say, do you want to go on a baby mommy adventure day? And that was me mixing the words baby mommy together. And we would, and we would go off and with the eyes of a child, I would just, we'd go off on an unscripted adventure to see what the day would, you know, provide us. And we do things like chase trains through the city and, 
um, you know, like, oh, I know where we can next spot it. Let's drive around there and we'd get out and take pictures with it or whatever, you know, like we'd have fun. Okay, we'd wait, chase- wait, wait, slow down. Cause I yeah. really want to make sure people heard what you said and that they go oh. do this. You Ice literally <laughs> see a train coming down the track. You're at like, you yeah. know, the crossing and you're like, okay, let's see if we can beat the train to the next place yeah. that it's yeah. going to cross. Oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. my kids would have loved that. Yeah, it was so fun. Liam was obsessed with that for a while. And then the other one that I really loved, and this <laughs> is, of course, in a small town, like it makes it easier. Living in LA was hard. Like we yes. could not have done this in LA, not no. with that traffic. No. But in, in Charlottesville, Virginia, we also would chase hot air balloons. We lived for a while um, right in the path of a lot of the hot air balloons that would take off and cross right about the time that we were, you know, up and eating our breakfast in the morning. So we would sometimes, I'd throw Liam and, and his brother, who was a baby at the time, like in the car, in their pajamas, and we would drive off to see where we, we knew where they would often try to land. Although one time they literally landed in the backyard of our neighbor's house. Um, but every time we found them, they would, they were wonderful. They would let us stick around and watch how they deflated it, how they rolled it up and put it, stuffed it all in the gondola. One of our first days of homeschooling one year, it was the first day of homeschooling and the, a hot air balloon landed in a neighborhood we'd moved to that never saw them. And we were so excited. And I remember Liam's a younger brother, the middle brother was invited to jump in the gondola and smush down the hot air balloon um, fabric oh to get it to fit. And they, they, I mean, that's where I just love when you go out in community and everyone embraces you and welcomes you into their their passion and their love. And like, this is one of the joys of homeschooling, right? Is that you can learn, like you said, anywhere and everywhere. I love those stories. I'm just picturing now that we've unleashed people breaking the speed limit, driving around looking for (laughs) hot air balloons and trains. Uh (laughs) So fasten your seatbelts, everyone. I love this idea though. Um, And I love what you're saying, like this notion that getting out in the world, finding other experts, letting them share with you. I remember very clearly when my kids were young and we lived in California, LA, uh, and I was just starting to play guitar and my kids got very fascinated with guitars. So we found a guitar guy who built them in his shop. Yes. And he showed yes. us a guitar being made in process, you know, the yes. way that he smoothed the wood and what they had to do to soften it so it would take the shape and stringing yes. it. And it was just, it, it it's like worth a whole day. Like throw yeah. out everything mm-hmm. you're doing and go watch someone mm. make a guitar from scratch, right? Absolutely. We did that once. And I have to say, yeah, so fascinating. You know, yes. you just come to appreciate because it's easy in this modern world, we have so much material development that we are exposed to, to take everything for granted and not yeah. truly deeply appreciate the craftsmanship or the engineering that goes into each part of our lives. Like everything right? from the pen that yes. you hold. I mean, I, I have that same awareness. I always imagine, you know, what it took for us to get to the point, I remember saying to Noah, he's my computer programmer kid. I remember saying to him, wait a minute, Noah. So how are these machines making other, like, how did the machine get made to such Mm. precision? Because, you know, these machines are doing right angles and perfect circles. and, And so then I'm like, but even the equipment in the machine is precisely made. So how do we get there? And, and I finally said to him, I said, I know this is going to sound like a silly question, but 
Did it really just start in the Middle Ages with iron, where they're just banging it in the fire? And over time, it got more and more precise. He goes, yes, mom. Wow. (laughs) And I just think it's funny that I asked him that question. Like, that sounds like Uh something a mother would explain to a child. Right. But I've been trying to understand how computers work literally since they started, because for me, it's truly magic. And I don't really understand Mm -hmm. how you type in a one and an O and it sends a signal and the signal actually produces like your image on the screen. Like that's still a complete unfathomable (laughs) truth to me. And so I was starting to even imagine like, gosh, even machines are Mm. precisely made by other machines that were precisely made. Like how far back does that go? How do we control these molds? It's amazing. And that's, that's why like working with Lego you're actually in that sort of engineering mind and design mind. Um, one thing you said about your son being a storyteller, he made this animal, this lion with a whole village on its back and he called it a spirit animal. And I think that's the other piece we forget is the way that all these subjects speak to each other, right? Mm-hmm. So we're over there designing a guitar, but what's the purpose of the guitar? It's music, it's connection, it's creating a vehicle for enriching our auditory experience, which goes to our emotions and relationships. So there's the engineering, there's the design, but there is the story of its value. And that's true in Lego. That's true in everything that we're working on. We, even, even I say in my book, um, The Brave Learner, even a chemistry dis- degree can be used to improve shampoo, right? Like yeah. it's, yes. we sometimes think of it totally. in this like, chemical sense, but literally that is what everything is for. It's to tell a better story, create a better world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Gosh. So so if I can circle back to try to answer the question that you asked earlier about homeschooling, let me try that. So did I, I did not expect to homeschool Liam, but as we went through the preschool years, and, you know, people around me, oh, don't you think for his social development, he should be in preschool? And like, oh, well, let's see if I can find one I like that feeds him and builds community for us. Sure, I'm open to it. So off we went and I, you know, visited toward all these different preschools. And for one reason or another, found that none of them were the right match. Um, specifically, it came down to I could not picture Liam thriving in that environment because his personality was so, his mind was so alive with ideas and wanting to combine unexpected things in our home to be part of his world and storytelling and creative energy. And every single preschool had stations, you know, here is the math area and here is the role play area. And here is the, you know, and each area had to keep its stuff in that area. Like they would not want a child who would gather creatively source this from here and that from there and and put them together in a new way. So I thought, you know, it just doesn't seem like this is the right path for us. We're going to just keep them at home through the preschool years. He's thriving. We'll plug into programs at, you know, the library and the, the children's museum. We'll go off on our adventures. We'll do lots of baking and reading books and you know, playing with blocks. It was pre-Lego. So we had a lot of wooden blocks and um, other plastic interlocking blocks of another brand name that he loved. <laughs> Mega blocks, if you remember, like the toddler. I do remember really that. Do that. Yeah. 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 
so we we did our thing and then you know we over time there was a brother added and another brother added and I was in love with having them home during preschool years so I thought well Liam you've bought yourself some time and my husband said when we looked at the closest um you know our neighborhood kindergarten he said we toured and he said I don't want Liam to go here. I want you to homeschool him. And I was like, what? Why not? I did public school. It's fine. It's great. There are benefits. I want him to be around diverse kids and learn from them. He said, no, you know, Liam's going to spend too much time standing in line and being told to be quiet. And I was like, yeah, you know, totally. You're right, honey. I remember not loving most of my schooling years. I remember the few teachers or opportunities that really stood out and you know, my mind was all lit up and on fire because I was being fed on every level. And those were rare, right? Patches in my education. And I came out thinking, you know, I don't want to do that to my children. I know that we can follow their interests and, and do a lot of child-led learning. I can also fill them up with things that fill up my cup. And I'm sure this is going to be um, a worthwhile endeavor. So we, so we started it. And I was, I was, would say never looked back, except that we had that year in China, which came at a time when I was ready actually for a break. I needed a little step away to recharge my batteries, reset my relationships with, um, especially one of my children who was very resistant to working with me in the homeschool environment at the time. And it was such a gift. Amazing. How did you reset it with him? Well, I think taking that break where when we went to China, I taught in the same school. My husband and I both taught in the same international school that we enrolled our children in. So the way I framed it is we're taking our homeschool on a study abroad year. <laughs> I love and that. We're gonna we're gonna outsource in the big co-op and you're gonna take classes with the other parents. And literally their classes were taught by other parents of students in the school. Um, the expat teachers that were in this, it was a primarily Chinese school, actually. We're going to have a cultural experience. It's going to be great. And um, for my middle son at the time, he was, he was very resistant to working with me. Um, it was such a gift because he kind of, he, he viewed the world so differently around him when he was learning. Like instead of doing something because mom is asking me to, he was doing something because he, he actually loved being in an environment with other kids. Um, he got a lot of positive attention that year because he was 10 years old, but already six feet tall. So Holy everyone cow. literally looked up to him and he just felt like kind of special. And I, I mean, he is special, but when you're the middle child, you often don't feel that you get the attention that you want. So it was so wonderful for him. And then I just got to be his mom. And there was something that I believe you said at one point, or maybe I read in one of your books that just made me think, oh, the connection isn't the way I want it right now. Therefore, the homeschooling isn't flowing and we need to get back to that connection. Yes. Yes. Gosh, thank you for saying it that way. It's really accurate to what I believe and what the experience is. And I love that you saw that year abroad. I was going to ask you about it. So you beat me there um, as kind of a study abroad for your homeschool. It's such a beautiful way to describe it. Also, just the flexibility, right? Not becoming so ideologically attached to homeschool 
that you continue to grind through it even when people are not happy. It gives your children other alternatives to consider for their own lives, which is really valuable. Yeah, exactly. That kind of flexible thinking. I I will say that year was fabulous in terms of developing resilience and open-mindedness, curiosity. Um, uh, It it also was a year that threw us an unexpected curveball. It was the, the year that I went from working to leaving my job a little early to resume homeschooling my youngest because he was not thriving and some things had happened in the school that were really not acceptable. And and we realized this is not good. So now I can relate to all those homeschool parents who had their kids or one child, at least in school and said, oh, we need to look for another path. This isn't working. So we had, I learned about you know, kind of deprogramming him from this, his school and letting him heal. Um, and, and it was, that was a very special time for us to have that one-on-one and work through it. He ended up leaving the year crying that we were leaving China when wow. the point where I decided to take him home, he was hating it with all his heart. So wow. it was, yeah. The right decision. It, it was the right decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things one of my friends said to me a long time ago, she ended up with um, some kind of uh, illness that prevented her from homeschooling for a year. So she put all of her kids in school. And I remember her words to me at the time were, now we will have our own story. Like up to that moment, she felt like she was trying to live up to a story of homeschooling that someone had told her about. And suddenly when she had to make a decision that was right for her family for a year, she's like, this will be our own story now. This is actually our own family story. And I think you've illustrated that so beautifully, the way that you've juggled thinking about career, the way that you thoughtfully considered preschool, the way that you included this year abroad, even taking your child out partway through and having one-on-one time. Homeschooling is flexible and it gives us the opportunity to be responsive to needs. Our job is not to protect and defend the institution of homeschool, but to protect and support the members of our homeschool. And that can look different mm-hmm. each year. Right, whether or not they're actually homeschooling. That's right. Yeah, we're, I mean, ultimately we're, we're parents yes. who want to do what we can to see our children thrive, find their passions, go out in the world and be of service to others. Like this, that's how I view it. That's it, yeah, that's it. So before we go, I want to ask you if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about Brave Rider, how it's been a part of your homeschool. Absolutely. So um, I was trying to remember when I was first exposed to Brave Rider. I rem- this is my my fuzzy mom memory. It's okay. Is that you know I remember hearing people talk about it and thinking, oh yeah, I need to look into that. And then um, I'm not sure if I if I first just soaked up your website, where it first started, to be honest. Um, But I know that between you attending the Virginia Homeschoolers Conference as the keynote speaker and talking about um, like the enchanted education, this is all ideas that ended up being in your (laughs) Brave Learner book, which I adore, as you can see. but, but I remember like everything I heard you presenting, like it 
these are like just different notes I've jotted over the years about what I've learned from homeschooling, what I've gleaned. And everything that you said spoke to what I had been learning along the way and soaking up. And I just felt like, oh, I love how you present that thought I've had. Like, I, I love how you give an example because also you're, you're further ahead in your mothering and, and homeschooling, you know, path. So to hear how, you know, when you're homeschooling a child in elementary school, middle school, you know, feeling daunted by the prospect of doing it through high school, to hear from a parent who has been there, done that, and then their adult child has gone on to fully, what is it? The poetry tea time story, your son at Columbia with his friends, right? Yeah, right. Oh my gosh, it's part of his life. He's taking this gift she gave him and integrating it into his world and sharing it with his friends. Like, that's what I'm hoping we do. So, um, so I will say like, it started, I think with your, your philosophy resonating Mm -hmm. with me. Yes. And then there were a few ideas that I remember saying, oh, you know, we do poetry, we do tea, but I've never put the two together. Let me try that. Like that'll make it even better. And it did. And the kids would say, oh, yay, we're doing poetry tea time. You know, we already did certain ceremonies or things that were like regular practices in our family that filled up their cup, but this was even better, you know? And then um, I think because I I did AP English literature teaching for a while in my homeschooling journey, I loved that your path was so different, your approach. And that helped me uh, shift shift my approach toward writing with my children to, um, you know, my first child was a natural writer and prolific. My second child hated, like even handwriting was a chore and it was a painful. So I'm sorry, I'm not giving this in uh, the chronological order, but I'll jump to plugging him into your online classes this last year was perfect. Like it was such a great match for him. He needed, this is the same middle child who we hit, you know, um, we were, we were at loggerheads at one point in homeschooling before China. I realized, Oh, writing is the next sticky point with him. And I need to give him space and let him be encouraged by others and led by others. And your, your teachers, he had three last year. He's about to start with another one this month. Um, they were all encouraging and wonderful And the short duration of the classes, you know, the more intense, that was perfect. Um, And, and, you know, we use it as a compliment, like he's agreed to, like we're reading books and discussing them together, but we're doing it in a more fun, relaxed way than when I taught English literature and Liam and his homeschool buddies had assignments and deadlines. And I wrote comments and like, this is much more relaxed now. And then I'm letting the nuts and bolts be covered by these outside teachers through Brave Writer, which is perfect. So that's an example. Oh, we loved, so sorry, I'm, again, I'm not in chronological order, but back up a few years and we dipped into um, the Arrow, um, which was great. I signed up for the year. We read the books. We, I found there was another mother in our homeschool community who was also doing likewise and we, we loved working together. So we said, hey, how about I'll host parties if you can help put the activities together with me? Like we can run different activity centers for the kids. And we invited a whole bunch more families and had a lot of fun doing that until the pandemic hit. And then 
That's amazing though. I love hearing that. And that's something that I think it's important to sort of underscore that all of these things are easier with a friend, right? I had a group of four other mothers and we, um, so five of us and there are 10 months. So we each hosted two parties a year and that was so much easier than having to do 10. So very good idea. Very good. Yes. Well, thank goodness, Danielle, if you're listening to this, I loved all the activities that you were willing to put together for the kids. And then the other moms would offer to bring over food. We So we'd say, this is the theme. Here's some food ideas. Does anyone want to contribute something? So it was really, you know, the co-op-y approach, the village is the best, right? It is right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I may not have checked all the boxes. We did do some online book clubs while I was filming Lego Masters with Liam um, because I wanted to make sure that, you know, that my kids were actually doing some real thinking about the, the questions behind the book and writing about it and sharing and interacting with others. So that was fun too. Um, I'm sure I'm missing something. There was the oh, writer's no, no, no. struggle. You know, no, that's great. Yeah, I just it. wanted to hear. So if yeah. you were to sort of sum it up, how has yeah. Brave Writer been uh, useful as a philosophy or or however you want to frame it? Yeah, for oh. their writing lives. Okay, so um, there's the philosophy and then there's more the the practical side. I'll, I'll address both. From a philosophy standpoint, I just feel literally, like I said, when we first met, like I had met a kindred spirit who got my approach to mothering, who saw the value of appreciating each child as, as a spiritual being in the largest sense of the world, like word, like a, a child who is um, full of immense possibilities. And we just have to give the, you know, the fertile environment for them to grow and to encourage them and to, to really take the gift that we have as mothers to heart and enjoy accompanying our child through their exploration of the world, cheering them on, and also learning in the process from them. So I love everything. I mean, I, there are so many specifics I, I love about your approach too, but that's the general. And then in terms of the, the practicality of it, Truly, Julie, you know, if you had just written a book, which I know came later, right? That yeah, was more like much. everyone would like it in one place. Let, yes. me, let me consolidate all this goodness in the one book that they can take with them. Um, but if you'd only written a book and did not have all these resources, including the online classes and, and so on, the you know, the even like buy individual arrow books, all that stuff. Um I would have felt like, oh, this is such a great idea. But when I need my village to be bigger than what my homeschool co-op can offer, when I need something more than what I can offer my children, I have nothing. Like I would have felt very empty without being able to turn to you for for this area of our homeschooling. So like I, I had had a math resource that worked perfectly for my kids starting when Liam was in sixth grade. That's when I, I shifted over teaching math and put them in with the math program online. And it was just perfect. But I never had had that for writing and for language arts. So this was such a godsend, Julie, to be able to plug in and use your resources more and more and, and know that I could turn to it more heavily What for the spring semester when I needed to plan things differently so that I could do something unthinkable earlier. Step aside from the family, like literally not be with my beloved children and and the core, you know, in the home environment that I had 
cultivated and built up all these years so that I could go do this awesome thing with the eldest. And luckily, so you could be on TV. On, <laughs> well, that wasn't the goal. That wasn't the goal. No, I it know it's not, but I'm like, yeah, that's what yeah. it is, right? Like, no, it is. It is. And sometimes I was shocked. I was like, why are there cameras here? I'm just having fun playing Lego with my son. Oh, wait, why is that clock ticking? It was so, so surreal at times. But literally, you know, Liam said when they approached him again, he knew in his heart he wanted to do it, but he said, well, you're, you're the partner I would want, mom, but I don't want to do this if it's not good for the family. I don't want anyone in the family to be hurt by me doing this and you stepping away. And we said, well, let's consult as a family. Okay. Let's see what each member thinks because we want everyone to be thriving. And at times it's true. We bend and we sacrifice so that those around us can have opportunities. So the youngest, younger two brothers said to him, Liam, if you don't do this, we will be so mad at you. You have to chase this opportunity because as we thought about it, it was the closest thing to like an internship where you're suddenly, instead of getting coffee for the designers, you're actually given the opportunity to dig your hands into 5 million Lego bricks. I mean... Unreal. 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 Julie, you talk about celebration. This felt like a celebration of everything Liam had poured his heart into over the years and what we had tried to creatively, you know, support him to do. Um, So the fact that his younger two brothers, like, again, homeschooling with, you know, just trying to make love lead the way, that to me was gold right there. I thought, oh, wow okay, we did something right, but they are willing to adapt and, and give up things and step up more. You know, they made meals more around the home when, when I was gone. They did, they did so much. It was great. It was such great learning and growth for everyone. But they, they wanted to make sure he did it. And my husband was on board and I was, I was convinced that everyone would thrive and it would be fine. So we went, you know, naturally with a little trepidation, but mostly with our hearts very full. They had, uh, yeah, we had the love and support of them. I think that is the perfect way to close out this interview. I love when you said you let love lead the way. And what's amazing is that when that's true, it's true for everyone, right? It, it The kids, your husband, everybody knows to support and encourage each other because love has led the way in all your relationships, not just in the one. Well done, Emily. What an amazing story. What an amazing share. Thank you for sharing with us today. It's, uh, it's going to inspire so many parents. Absolutely. Well, and I just add to all the parents listening who are earlier on their, their trajectories that, you know, love doesn't always lead. You know, sometimes we're struggling and we have fear in our heart. We don't know, is our child going to turn out okay? Are they developing the social skills they need? How do I know I'm robbing them of opportunities that they would have had if they had done X, which is true of anything in life, right? Um, or I'm, I'm grumpy. I'm not feeling the love today. I need me time. I need to refill my cup. Like all of that is very human. We've always all been there, all been there a lot. Um, and there's this one, uh, quote that I kind of continually bring to mind. And that is when there is love, nothing is too much trouble. And there is always time. And I reflect on that because 
you know, I struggle as a mother to find the time for myself um, because I'm always, you know, thinking of them and giving to them. But then I've learned in recent years how to also give that same, nothing is too much trouble and there's always time to myself. And I think if we find the balance in like, how can we be present and giving to our family while also giving to ourselves what we need to thrive, then, then it comes together. Yeah. The love leads the way even for yourself, loving, taking care of yourself the way that you care about your kids is a part of that equation. And your kids know, I always say, no one wants a martyr for a mother, right? No one. So you want to come in full and then that's what makes you the desired partner on Lego Masters, right? Like the fact that your son chose you, it, it's a very big testament to the fact that you're bringing a full person and your whole life isn't hinging on him. It's pretty impressive, mm. pretty lovely. Mm. So thank oh. you. Thank you for the opportunity. It was definitely a learning curve for me to be on the show with him. <laughs> and it was, but just a joy, a real gift. Um, thank you, Julie. Speaking of gifts, this last hour has been just precious for me. I, I am grateful for all that you have given the homeschool community, how you have built up parents, whether or not they stay homeschooling or not, to connect with their children and love the gift of, of being a parent. So thank you for all that you do. I don't know about you, but I was completely inspired by that conversation with Emily. She just makes you want to dump out a bucket of Legos and start building, doesn't she? But even more than that, it makes you want to pay attention to those early passions as they surface in your child's life. Lean in, partner, see where they take you. Thanks for tuning in today. This is the part of the podcast where I ask you to leave a review. You can leave stars or words, whatever your choice is. If you've already left a review, thank you so much. You never know, Natalie might read yours one of these weeks. The truth is I love podcasting and I couldn't do it without you. I'd love your ideas for the next topics you'd like me to discuss on the show. To let us know, reach out to us via our SMS or texting number. That number is 1-833-947-3684. I know that's a mouthful. Don't worry. It's in the show notes. Simply text the word pod to be added to the podcast group. And then just text us any ideas you have for future shows. We're already building a beautiful Excel spreadsheet with all your ideas. Hi, everyone. It's Natalie again with the Brave Writer team, and I am so enjoying these five-star reviews. Today's comes from C-P-V-K-L-U-V-R. Hands down, my favorite homeschool podcast. I can't say enough good things about all the wisdom that Julie Bogart has imparted through her podcast. As a rookie, second-year homeschooler, I have found her advice extremely helpful and encouraging. Her ability to share her outside-of-the-box thinking is absolutely priceless. I love how she shares personal stories and helps to draw connections between studies and how we can implement them. Thank you, Julie, and all of your staff for your amazing work. Today's episode was produced by Nova Media with support from team members Jeanette Hall and Natalie Miele.
I'm Julie Bogart, author of The Brave Learner and Raising Critical Thinkers. I'm also the founder of BraveWriter.com, an innovative approach to writing instruction. You've been listening to The Brave Writer Podcast. Until next time, keep going. Think well. I'm rooting for you.